I am Holly Whitaker. And I'm Emily McDowell. And this is Quitted, a podcast about quitting. Mm. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Good morning. Good almost afternoon. How are you? We are in different time zones. We're in totally different time zones and sometimes different universes. Um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> There's no calculation uh, for that, unfortunately. Um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm really good. I've been doing the class lately. Do you know what that is? Have we talked about I this? I have heard of it. I have heard of it. It's one of those workouts that I'm scared of. Also, because <laughs> As I'm you scared should of, be. I'm scared of most workouts. Let's just get that out there. But... um. The class, like it's one of those, like, is it Tracy Anderson? Is it like celebrity? Is it's it like a celebrity a, it's a trainer? celebrity thing, yeah. And I uh-huh. used, I, so it's funny because her name is Taryn Toomey, and we actually Tempest shared a. We work with her. We were, we were, um, we shared a glass, whatever partition. A glass partition. <laughs> yeah, and she's <laughs> a fishbowl. It's funny because she's very like I explained to her once um, that Taryn Toomey is. She's kind of. Um, She's just like she walks into the room in her leggings and a huge hat and she's 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 kind of um scary and but like in a you know in an aspirational way and I <laughs> said this to someone once and they were like I would not want I, I that someone that did the class and they said they wouldn't want Taryn Toomey to be any different than what I had just described and I I did her she teaches, but a lot of te- people teach. I, CJ um, Fragoso is my favorite, and that's what I usually do. But this morning I did Taryn, and she is. She's a terrifying human, um, but also like in a way that I need her to be a terrifying human um, as a yeah. teacher. So it's like the class is kind of like – it's a little bit like HIT. It's a little bit like yoga. It's a little bit like Pilates. Um and it's like, but you yell, and then at the end, it has good music. Everything's what do you, time to music. What do you yell? Like, what kinds of things do you yell? Okay, everyone cover your ears, but like when you're doing burpees, it's like, Hah! and like, <laughs> or like, oh, okay, Hah! so you're not, or, so you're not like sometimes you're 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 like encouraged to express, but you're not yelling like, uh, you prime, you are. Things. And it's so weird because there was I use I was I went to a um fuck what's her name Anna Forrest she's a yoga teacher like a really famous yoga teacher mm-hmm. and she was one of my teachers teachers and so like Stephanie Snyder trained under Anna I think it's Anna Forrest and I think um, it is too that's yeah. Forrest Yoga right is the thing yes. yeah and I went to one of those one of her trainings and everyone was like was primarily screaming and I left I was like this is not for me. I am not one of you. And well also if you're like I'm going to a yoga training and then you're met with primal screaming, it might there might be a little dissonance. Like at least for me, yes. I'd be like I'm here it's for not, like it's not I'm here, here for some I'm candles for and like maybe a gentle gong. Like I'm not really <laughs> no, primal I'm, scream. That it's was great, exactly but like it. not this. Yeah. That was that was like it exactly, which was like I was in major healing mode and I was not and I was looking for something very gentle. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and I felt yep. like a lot it was like gratuitous screaming. I was like screaming for the sake of screaming. And but um this, the class, um, I so I live alone, right? And I live in the forest and no one can really hear me scream. <laughs> and so I just I fucking get my rocks off doing it. Like I'm mm. up here. And I am screaming and it actually feels – it feels very, very cathartic. And the teachers, they make weird noises and they do weird dances and I'm into it. Like I might not have been eight years ago, but right now I'm really into it. So That's great. That's great. And it makes me happy. 
So, so great. So you did that today <laughs> <Yeah>. already. <laughs> I I did that. I went and I had breakfast and I drank. Like I went to I go to this restaurant called The Roost and I like I'm usually the only one there during the week and I'll drink like black coffee and eat like a really rich breakfast and read. And then I went and did my grocery shopping. I am like I I hang out like I'm in the population of 80 year olds here. Like my because I don't have a job, so I'm. I'm, those are my people. That's right. like who I hang out with. That's your schedule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you, you just, you just woke and up. And I, and I, I woke up, um, yeah, I woke up about, I woke up about 7.30. It's nine o'clock here now. I have done nothing. Um, I've done nothing. I had, I woke up with a really bad headache, which is fortunately lifting. Um, oh, but it was like the headache. kind of headache where I was like, am I going to need to bag out on my entire day for a minute like it's a headache that woke me out of sleep which mm. very rarely happens and I was having a dream about being at a dinner party at Jay-Z's house with my entire family so maybe mm. my head maybe my body was like get out like you don't just, let's just not go down this road <laughs> um so maybe that was it but but yeah so I am uh I am drinking I quit coffee in September and it is now February and I am now reintroducing coffee in a very, very limited way. And so I'm having one of my limited coffees right now, um, which I think is helping my headache. Yeah, caffeine. So, caffeine. Um, expanding your blood vessels in your head. So mm. that's uh, – did, did you know that? Did you know that that's – yeah, so when you quit coffee, the reason that you get such gnarly, gnarly headaches is because the blood vessels in your head are constrict because you don't have the caffeine that your body is used to. Um, uh, and does it go back that to until order? your body recalibrates is really, it gives you headaches. Well, I don't, it's funny cause I don't get caffeine headaches. I never really have, but I've, I've quit it multiple times. And, um, what I get is like very like severe depression. Like I have, Ooh. I would say like, I kind of trend towards depressed, like I deal with depression, but I'm not clinically depressed. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's like a fair distinction when I have, when I have with withdrawn from caffeine, I've actually gone through what I would qualify as clinical depression. And Oof. like it um like that, like that like feeling where it hurts to smile. It mm -hmm. hurts to be around people. Mm -hmm. And um yeah. So I mean hats off to you. <laughs> I read something recently and it said like <laughs> removing coffee give removing coffee from your daily whatever like scientists say have, has proven will make your life miserable or so or make yeah. your life I mean, worse it's, or something. It's, it was an experiment. I love coffee and it's kind of one of my, my only vice really. And it's, mm. um, but it, I'm dealing with some kind of like systemic inflammation that I'm, and my adrenals mm -hmm. are all shot from years of just like redlining my cortisol, my body and stress. And so I'm trying to remove all the things that could be contributing to mm -hmm. yeah. um to that Makes so to anyway should we get into this into this episode because <laughs> ep the reason we're here today yes um we have elizabeth gilbert on the podcast which is amazing i mean i just um there's one person that i wanted to have a conversation with about quitting and whose wisdom um I am hungry for it's it's Elizabeth Gilbert and 
do we call her Elizabeth Gilbert or is her name Liz Gilbert? Liz. Liz I mean, she goes by Liz. Elizabeth is her. I don't know. know, Her. Um, But I, I felt like this was the conversation that I, um, I mean, just like Caleb, you know, I, like I needed to have this conversation. I needed to learn from this person and ask this person questions. Yeah. I mean, same here. I, I know her a bit, but I don't know her well. Um, by any means, any stretch of the imagination. And I reached out to her to ask if she would be on this podcast. And I w- was anticipating that she would say no, um, because also because she has really, I I knew that she has withdrawn from kind of the general public over the last year and a half or so that she has, mm-hmm. that she had quit social media and that she was really being selective and, and about, oh, our recording just got stopped. Mm-hmm. So you you were at you're saying I know oh. that she had withdrawn from social media for the okay. past year and a half. It'll be okay. fine. It's just we can pick um, up from. I there. knew that she had withdrawn from social media over the last year and a half or so, and that she was working on a book and just being really selective about what she does and doesn't do. And so I wrote her because you kind of have to try. But I was like, you know, dude, do not feel obligated in any way to do this podcast, please. And she wrote right back and was like, of course, I would love to be on. And it was so, it was, it was just really, really uh, a wonderful, wonderful surprise. And so I, like Holly, she is somebody who's been sort of a North star to me in, in her, um, the way in which Mm -hmm. she lives her life and the way in which she honors herself and the decisions that she makes. And, um, she's someone that I've learned from so much over the years at a distance. And so being able to talk with her about her own story was really meaningful. And the answer, and so, so many of the things that she said were surprising to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And so I think um, let's let everybody listen to this fantastic conversation with Elizabeth Gilbert. But before you do, uh, just a reminder that this show, Quitted, is not supported by a network, uh, not supported by advertising dollars. It's something that is uh, developed and supported by Emily and myself and also our Patreon community. And then just the larger community, those of you that are listening, like every little thing, every little bit of this counts. And so if you have a chance right now, please pause it, go to Apple Podcasts and rate us, leave us a review. Um, also, if you have the means, go to patreon.com forward slash quitted and uh, support us financially there. Um, subscribe to us, whatever. You know, send us, send us vibes. Good vibes only. Good vibes. <laughs> Today on Quitted, we are here with Elizabeth Gilbert, which is very exciting. Mm. And um, we're just we're Liz. We're so happy to have you here. Happy, I'm so happy to be here. I <laughs> yeah. mean, this was such an easy yes for me. I, I lately, it's funny talking about quitting and been saying no to like everything lately, um, and which means saying yes to other things. But when I got your email, I was like, oh, I hundred percent want to do this. I love this idea for a podcast. I love this topic, and like I'm a professional quitter. So I'm just 
I'm super psyched. I can't wait. I'm to so talk glad. To you I mean, I, you were one of the first people we thought of because I was like, I think of, I think of you as like a black diamond quitter. I think of you as like <laughs> expert level quitter, and um, and I also know that you have made a choice to pull back from a lot of public things over these last couple of years, or maybe this last year. Um, and so I wasn't expecting you to say yes to this. And so it was such a delight that you did. And um, I actually, before we kind of get into some other questions, I would love for you to maybe talk about that a little bit, just your, your, what you're doing right now and what you're not doing. Yeah, well, I'll just say for the general public, that's a funny way to start that sentence, but let's just keep going with it. That's what came out. It's kind of a, an amazing thing to know that when you start saying no to almost everything, it means that the things you say yes to are so exciting um, because you're mm-hmm. not overwhelmed by over-yesing your way through life. So you actually get to really choose the things that only make you gasp and say like, oh my God, I totally want to do that, <laughs> which is how mm. I felt when I got your email. So, so, um, but what I've been, what I've quit recently, um, it's been, I don't know, 14 months ago, I, it came to my own attention that I needed to get off social media, um, mm. almost entirely. I, there's one thing that I continue to do on there on the reg, on a regular basis, which is this book club that I, that I do once every month or six weeks or so just for one day. But apart from that, I haven't been in there at all. And, um, I haven't really spoken about this, but what, what happened is that, you know, I'm among other things, a recovering validation addict mm-hmm. and, um, and, and I'm trying to not need I'm trying not to look outside of myself and my higher power for validation. Um, and social media is just a crack house of, I mean, the entire metric is created to prey upon that part of your brain that wants to know if it's okay and in good standing with other people. Um, and it preys upon that very deliberately and makes it very hard to step away from. And I discovered there wasn't like one sort of massive awakening moment, but I just, it, it gradually came to my attention <laughs> that I was spending, first of all, a tremendous amount of time um, of my life in social media, which I mm-hmm. could excuse by saying I'm a public figure and it's how I sell books and it's how I market myself. But that, that doesn't explain the two hours a day of scrolling. <laughs> you know, I don't need mm-hmm. to do that for my work. In fact, it's a detriment, a great detriment to my work. But I was just captivated by it the way so many of us are um, and just couldn't seem to tell, you know, I'd be on the toilet, scroll, red light, scroll, yeah. you know, standing the grocery line, scroll. Like it just became like lighting a cigarette without even thinking. Um, and I try not to have that much stuff in my life that's so, that I do unconsciously, you know, um, I love the line, pay attention to what you're paying attention to. And, um, and I, and when I got started to look into it and I started looking at my, my, my own metrics, um, on the Instagram website for how much time I was spending, it was like two hours a day. You know, I can write a novel in two hours a day. I can learn a foreign language in two hours a day. I Mm. can, I can connect with friends I haven't seen in years in two hours a day. Mm -hmm. I can, get in the best shape of my life in two hours a day. I mean, I'm not fucking gonna, but I could <laughs> like technically there's a lot of things I could do in two hours a day. 
I didn't even know. I mean, that's the thing about when you're sucked into something. I didn't even know how much of it it was taking on me. But the biggest thing was that I realized that every time I posted something, I would go back in. I mean, we all do this, I guess, but I would go back in several times a day to check to see how it was performing. And every time I did that, I got like an anxiety hit, which was sort of, am I, am I good? Am I approved of? Am I loved? Yeah. And did I yeah. make a, um, have I made a mistake? Have I spoken wrong? Am I in trouble? Mm. Um, am I okay? Am I okay? Am I okay? Do you love me? Do you love me? Are you mad at me? Which reminded me a little bit too much of my childhood <laughs> to be looking outside of myself to see if I was safe. Okay. If anybody was mad at me, if I was all right, you know, and, and this is the part was that, that really woke me up. I didn't just look to see how many hits it got, how many, whatever, retweet. I hadn't been on Twitter for a long time, but just how much engagement it got. I would go in and look to see who liked it. Oh, yeah. Because I, I really needed to know it wasn't enough to get the numbers. I had to make sure that the people who, who's, who I use as a metric to see if I am all right, to see if I am approved of by not just a lot of people, but the right people. Um, do the activists that I admire, did they approve of this? You know, do, am I approved of, am I okay? Am I approved of, am I okay? Mm. And just one morning I woke up and I was like, this is not healthy. <laughs> you know, This is not where I should be looking to see who I am and what I am and whether I'm okay. Um, and so I just got off there and I went through withdrawal. Um, I went through a couple weeks of panic and a sense of it, like what I felt in my withdrawal was tremendous fear that I had just destroyed my entire career mm -hmm. and my entire life, that I would no longer be relevant, that I would no longer know the things I need to know, that I would be left behind, you know, just this huge sense of like, I, I, I don't, you know, what if I don't exist anymore? What if I'm not important anymore? Um, and then it went away and then my life opened up. Um, and within a couple weeks after that, I got an idea for a novel and I've been asking the universe for an idea for a big fat novel, like the signature of all things. Like I wanted another big one and I got the idea and it's almost like, you know, my, my muses were like, we are happy to give you ideas when we have your full attention, mm. but we can see mm. that we haven't had your full attention. So we're just going to wait until we've got your full attention. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We've got your full attention. Here's your idea for your big fat novel that you've been waiting for. And then that's what I've been doing for the last 14 months is working on that book. And, um, I, 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 you know, I don't think I'll ever, I hope I never go back into social media the way that I had been. Um, cause yeah, my life's a lot quieter now. That was a long answer. <laughs> well, you know what's so interesting is that at the start of the pandemic, you, you did you – know, I followed you for a long time. And I, I think at the start of the pandemic, you were – I lost my shit because I couldn't muster up the wisdom because I didn't have any wisdom. And I felt like I'm in this position where I'm supposed to deliver some type of message – of like knowing to the masses. And then I watched you and actually wrote about this because you did that. You did this like love letter to yourself through Insight Timer or something. And I, during that time where I was so absolutely uh, just feeling like I was slipping or I didn't have something I thought I was supposed to have. And then I was looking at you and I was saying, I need to be more like Liz Gilbert because Liz Gilbert like knows how to respond in moments of crisis and has it all together. And like, that's what I need to be going <laughs> I for. I did the same thing, Holly. I did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Isn't that funny though? Because I, and then in my mm. mind, when I ever I look at you, you're kind of, you're, you're kind of, you know, I was telling Emily this, like, you're kind of my real deal, like my one, right? I mean, I, I love your writing. I, I love Signature of All Things. Like, you, you have this presence about you that feels very stable and, like, you know what you're doing. And I think that in that, it's, I would have never, I, it just feels like you have it figured out, right? And whenever I would read anything that you had, that you said on Instagram, I could never imagine that you were going, I was like, Liz Gilbert just posts on Instagram and walks away and doesn't care about shit, you know? And so I think it is very, is very refreshing to hear that the same exact things that I do that are very, you know, that feel, that I feel ashamed of, right? And embarrassed mm. by, you were doing too. And it isn't healthy. Yeah. And we're being played, you know, to be fair, Holly, like we're, it's one of the things that I've realized about it is, you know, I'll, when I'm, when the next book comes out, I'm going to have to figure out how to do this. I'm going to have to figure out how to use this drug soberly mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. because it is the, the single most powerful marketing tool that exists. And I have a relationship with my publisher and they'd be like, Hey, could you let your million followers know that you've got a book, please? <laughs> yeah. You know, like they would, you yeah. know, I'm sure they would like it if I made posts, you know, and I would like people to know about it. But, but I just want to be really candid about the fact that I don't currently know how to do it soberly. Yeah. And um, just last week, I posted something um, about an event that I was doing and I hadn't been on in a month. And I did, I did the same thing. I went back in, I checked to see who liked it. It's mm -hmm. the checking to see who liked it thing that always catches me up. And and then once I was in there, I started scrolling. And mm. then once I started scrolling, and then I, I found myself going back five or six times a day looking again. And then, and then I looked until, like Brene Brown says, I read the comments till I found something that hurt my feelings and confirmed my worst idea of myself. <laughs> you know, like that's what we do. That's we what I do. Yeah. We see yep. something that hurts. And yeah. so I used the drug till I got hurt. And so what I'm realizing is like, I'm powerless over how effective a, a captivating drug this is. And, you know, when you said you're ashamed of the, you know, yourself for, for looking and for wanting to see how liked you are and wanting to see how approved you are, just remember that really smart people, I, I equate it to the, Nick, the cigarette industry, which is really smart people, really good scientists spent millions and millions and millions of dollars and lots of people who were making hot, like, millions of dollars a year sat in rooms together to figure out how to prey upon that insecurity. Mm -hmm. And um, so just as with mm -hmm. the cigarette industry, they took a substance found in nature and then added a bunch of additives to it that made it virtually impossible to put it down. Mm -hmm. This is what social media is. And I have a feeling that the time, and I, I, I don't want anybody to think I'm like some sort of like noble person because I put it down. I, I, I'm still in its thrall. You know, I put it down because, because I was frightened of it. You know, I was frightened of what it was doing to my life. And I, I wonder if the time is going to come when we look back on this era, like the way we look when we see pictures of people smoking on airplanes I in the sixties. And we're like, people used to do that. What was wrong with <laughs> us? And they like, let what their were kids we thinking? Do you yeah. know, like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They let their yeah. kids smoke on airplanes. You know, like that's kind of what it feels like is like, we're all letting our kids smoke on the airplane. But there's yeah. an innocence. We're like giving too, our which, kids cigarettes to smoke them on the airplane. I mean, it's like let's smoke together on the airplane. It's a it, and it, but it's totally. It's because the it's because the airplanes the airplanes have 
been giving us, been telling us to smoke on them, you know, like <laughs> in the, to continue this metaphor. Like, and free pretzels it, and peanuts. And, free, and, and like, and like all your friends are on these planes. Yeah. Cigarettes are so fun. Like they're so fun. <laughs> and they're all friends smoking are right. too. Yeah. It, I yeah, think about this a lot and is. I think that we will look back on this era. I think yeah. about how much has changed in just the last, in the last 10 years, in the last five years with this habit that the majority of people have integrated into their daily lives and that we don't have mm-hmm. any we have we've just started to see the data on what this is doing to our brains and i think that we are going to look back on this and be like what the fuck was were we doing you know mm-hmm. and wow and or um, what was being done to us yes, you know that's the thing i don't want to put the blame yes. on you know nope. there's it, this is we're being played yeah we're being played yeah, and yeah. you know i started social media late i was a late adapter but when i jumped in i jumped in and i thought it was re- when i when i finally got in there i was like this is so fun like it mm-hmm. was so fun and colorful and bright and cool and exciting so it started off as it just reminds me of like all my other addictions it started off like as really drug. fun it starts great you know? yeah it started right. off as really fun and then it kind of got a little more serious <laughs> um and then you know there was a period where it graduated from being fun to well, I would say grandiose, where suddenly I started to think I was really important, which is also something that has happened in my other addictions. <laughs> I started to think I'm a big shot. Like, I I thought I was really important and that I was using it for all these really important social justice reasons. But the more I look at our climate, the more I see, like, I'm not, I'm not sure this thing is helping anybody. It's not doing it's not, anything. Yeah. I mean, it provides a microphone. And I think that's really important to people that wouldn't otherwise have them. But it also gives us this false sense that we're actually doing something. Mm -hmm. And I read this really good article a couple of weeks ago about climate anxiety and how we think by worrying and about about, um, climate change that we're actually doing something to impact it. But oftentimes what studies show is that people are just worried about it, but they're not actually actively doing something. And I think that a lot of this stuff – a lot of the time, I know the stuff that I have done, it translates to just talking. It doesn't really translate to internal change or action that I'm taking. It's just sucking from mm. me instead of giving me more space to be able to be a you know a better member of our society. And so it's it's just all it mm-hmm. yeah. It's I took time off from it. I quit my job in March of this February of last year and. I could I just couldn't I was too fucked up to be on it and to pretend that I was like a together enough person <laughs> to be sharing parts of my life yeah. and I was off of it for like I think 5 or 6 months and I didn't feel like I was going to always be off of it so I didn't go through that same type of withdrawal that you talked about like I wasn't worried about I was just in general worried about my relevance, um, but I wasn't worried about it in that particular way. And since I have come back, I can't make myself use it the way I used to as like a – I mean, I still am wasting a lot of time on it, but I'm not using it in the same way where I feel like I need to consistently show up there in order to – build, esteem myself or be important or share my, my important work. And I wonder for you, my question is, do you, I mean, there's a lot of authors that don't use social media. There's like, I think of like Yuval Harari, Harari um, 
the author of Sapiens. Like, I don't think he's really that great at Instagram, you know, but still is like a multiple New York Times bestseller. You don't know author. what his dog's names are? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I don't know what kind of clothes he wears. You know, I don't know any of it. <laughs> it's so fucking ridiculous. Wait, he's not relatable? Yes. <laughs> he's, he's actually – Unrelatable. I mean, I do know enough about him. I don't. I I don't know who he's friends with. (laughs) You know, I. I I actually don't even know what he thinks about COVID, right, or vaccine. Like, I don't understand. I don't know any of his social causes. (laughs) Nothing. You know. Amazing, right? Well, well, when I when I made the decision to go off, I called my. I I called my editors because I was like, I thought I would be like, fired. From my job as a writer, I don't know. Like I, I built it up so that it was so important, and and they were like, "Well, we don't need you to be." You know, like when your book comes out, you know, a couple weeks that your book comes out, let people know. But I was like, this whole time, I didn't have to be. We're like, wait a minute. I was on there because I, because I loved it, you know. Um, And I don't want to sound moralistic or judgmental of anybody who's on there. I I mean, truly, this was like a mental health decision. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a mental health decision, and. and it wasn't easy, yeah. but it's easier yeah. now. I don't even really think about it anymore, except the minute I have to post something, I'm like, the current pulls me back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they I know, pull yeah. you back in. It's like the Godfather. <laughs> it's, I went through a similar thing as Holly, where in 2020, I started to just feel like I don't have anything to say. Like, I don't think I have anything of value to add to this conversation. And I started to notice that my nervous system was calmer if I wasn't mm-hmm. on Instagram and if I wasn't posting and if I wasn't engaging with that ecosystem at all. And so I experimented with stopping and it felt better. And I have used it very differently, I would say, in the last two years than I did in the 10 years prior, where I also built a business on it. And so I was really grateful for it because my entire business was built on essentially on Instagram because I didn't spend any money on advertising for the first five years. My whole thing was, we'll make stuff people want to share and then people will share it. And then they did. And that gave me a career. And so I had gratitude for that. And then also, then I realized, oh, wait, like, shit, I should have been building a mailing list or like I built my house on sand, you know, like, and then Mm. they were like, oh, you know what? We're not going to show your work to any of those people anymore. So good luck. And it's like, oh shit, you know, and that's a whole other thing. But I feel I spend less and less time on there. And what I'm finding now is that I am using it only to really talk about things I'm doing outside of Instagram, like to say, I'm doing this podcast or, you know, I'm doing, if I'm going to teach a class or if I'm going to do something like that. And it's, it feels like appropriate. Like it feels like, okay, this feels like a, this feels like a measured and appropriate use of this tool. And I also really recognize, and I've thought about this, I am one of those assholes who smoked for like eight years. And then just one day was like, this is gross. I don't want to do it anymore. And stopped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was going to say, this sounds a lot like moderation. Yeah. And yeah. I feel – Sounds like sanity. <laughs> and I feel so grateful that that I did not get that 
desire or that that thing in my brain. I don't have that thing to the degree that so many other people do of the dopamine hit or whatever it is that that um is the addiction thing and i and and i have watched it play out with me in social media and i have been grateful every time for it holly and i get get it um <laughs> we have the thing that's like my favorite flavor is <laughs> no, more like, really <laughs> If one of these is good, 900 of them will be better. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have – I have. I think that <laughs> – I, I recently was talking to a doctor who said that there's no such thing as an addictive personality, but um, I highly dis- – I mean, he's – right now he's writing an article about it, um, but I – I believe, like, I absolutely think that it's, it's been very hard, but I also just like alcohol, I've, it, I've made it so absolutely unimportant. And I think that that's played a huge role in like, I don't care about it the way I used to care about it. And I can't make myself care about it the way I used to care about it. And that makes it a huge Mm -hmm. difference. That's that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. It doesn't take your power anymore. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So Liz, I want to go back because it's funny, we have all these questions for you. And then I just sort of jumped into like, well, wait a (laughs) minute, where have you been? What have you been doing? You know, so, okay, so here is so here is what we and when I say we, I mean, like general public, right? Like based on your internet footprint and your public, like, we pulled our public understanding. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We 20 focus groups. Uh We did so much research. You would not even believe it. Um, You know, (laughs) based on your work and our sort of public understanding of who you are, you have quit some stuff. Um, You've Mm quit, you've quit some two marriages, heterosexuality, your, some of your publicly assigned identities as like eat, pray, love person for one. The need for other people's mm-hmm. approval, and then most recently social media, and we, Holly and I, realized when we were talking about this episode that we had different perceptions of your relationship to quitting. Like Holly was like, "Yeah, Liz has quit some stuff," and I was like, "Liz is a professional quitter <laughs> and <laughs> like an expert." And then I was like, you know, and I and I think of Liz as maybe someone who has a reputation for quitting things. And I use the word reputation. It sounds like a negative connotation, but that's not what I mean. Um, I mean, I see you as someone who has great clarity on what is in alignment for you. And you have demonstrated. Well, I see that too, though. But I see that too. But I think that you really see her as like, that's a part, that's like a core part of your identity. And I think as we were talking through this, I, I didn't see, I didn't see it that way. And so I think like, I see you as somebody that consistently, you know, from my limited view from the fucking internet and the books of yours that I've read, but like how I have always seen you as somebody that absolutely goes after what she wants, but I wouldn't say that you are somebody that prior, like that is that is really committed to quitting, right? And and like very willing, you know, I see you as a risk taker, but not as somebody that is very committed to quitting the way I think Emily does, but Emily's also friends with you and, you know, has a very different angle on it. So I guess you have what a we're more asking part is, of your question. So the, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, so here, no, so so we uh, we do have a question. Do you have we have a more part of your question. Yes. Do you okay. like Emily, <laughs> Emily has a more part. part is, Go, I guess how does – how would you characterize your own relationship to quitting? You know, what do you, what would you say to this? Well, it's a bit, it's a combination of the two of, of what you said. I would say that I, that I am a black diamond quitter, as you said at the beginning of the episode, which I loved, (laughs) 
But in some cases, that's because I'm also, I've also gotten myself into stuff. I, you know, I'm also really impulsive. Um, for most of my life, I've been mm. really impulsive, which means that mm. I sometimes get myself into deep scrapes that I have to get out of. So sometimes the quitting is extracting myself from a really impulsive series of decisions that I got myself into up into my neck, you know, and then I was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I'm loving, I'm seeing Holly's face light up right now because when we were doing, so when we were recording the original intro for this, for this trailer, for this podcast, Holly's thing was, I'm Holly Whitaker and I have repeatedly built a life that I need to flee. (laughs) Like so much shit, right? Like constantly getting myself into trouble because I'm extremely impulsive as well. Right. And because I am a lover and I'm just like, let's go with that. Right. And I jump in and then I'm like, fuck. And I have to dig myself out. And I never thought about that because I also see myself as somebody that we, Emily and I just did a show on this. I really see myself as a, as a, a, <laughs> a chronic quitter and like a, and a blower upper and a destroyer. And I never thought it's because I, the other part of that, well, I, yes. Anyway, that's, it's just brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I just, yeah, Sorry, it's, keep so, going. it's, it's a talent that I have, but I also have a talent for getting myself in trouble, <laughs> you know, and my hope is that my second half of my life will not involve so many radical quitting, um, exchanges because it won't involve so many radical impulsive decisions that there'll be like that there'll be something that I'll maybe move my life at a more measured pace so that I won't have to do so many big dramatic quits. Um, so, but I don't want to path, I don't want to fully pathologize the quitting either, because I also think that part of, part of my quitting is that I, I do think apart from my impulsivity, I am guided by a strong intuitive sense of this is not the right place situation for me to be in. Um, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. I, I will, I will not do well if I remain in whatever this, <laughs> whatever this arena is, whatever this ecosystem is, whatever this relationship is. And I am, I, I'll say on the positive side, having just outed myself as somebody who could be, you know, impulsive and chaotic. I also am brave um, that I'm willing mm-hmm. to risk losing what I have to Mm. step into the unknown rather than staying in a toxic situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So I won't stick around. I won't stick around just because it's familiar to me. Um, I I will get out. Um, And, and I've done that. I've done that a number of times to great benefit, you know, like to where I feel like that was where my life opened up um, where I was willing to jump and, 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 and quit. And I think of one of the big ones was, and not, and sometimes it's not even a toxic quitting. It's just, it's time for the next thing now. And this is played yeah. out and I'm not going to stay past its expiration date. And the biggest one of that was when I quit my job at GQ magazine, which back in 2002 was like, I had like the best job in journalism, you know, like back when journalism was a good job, <laughs> I had, right. you know, and it was a good, it was a steady, I was, a, uh, you know, um, on staff at, at GQ magazine, making really good money with total freedom of whatever articles I wanted to write. And this was back when magazines had money and yeah. I got to do five big, like 13,000 word stories a year about whatever I wanted to write about. And they sent me to 
to New Zealand to write about the search for the giant squid. And I did profiles of Tom Waits and, you know, like whatever I wanted to explore, they were, they were down with it. And um, it was a really good living and it was very secure. And that's when I decided I wanted, I had this vision for Eat, Pray, Love. And, um, and I quit that job to go on that trip. But the, the wilder thing was that I, I got offered right before that trip, there was a possibility of going to write for the New Yorker, which was, you know, that's the oh, pinnacle. That's the ultimate. And, um, that's like, that's do, would you like ultimate. to be president of the United States to that's a writer, you know, for mean, a writer, right? For me, when I was 15 years old in our school play, we had to write our bios and mine said, Elizabeth Gilbert will travel the world and write for the New Yorker magazine. Oh. I had my sights on that. <laughs> from And right after I quit my job at GQ, unrelatedly, I got a letter from David Remnick saying, would you like to come over and, and write for us? And I was about to leave on this trip. And I remember going out to lunch with him and saying, like, you have just offered me the best job that a person like me could ever be offered. But there's this other thing that I feel called to do. And I told him what I was doing. And he was like, why are you doing that? (laughs) You know, like, I mean, it was, you know, it was very unformed at that point. But I was like, I need to I want to just go explore what pleasure means. And then I want to go find this medicine man in Indonesia. And I need to go to this ashram in India. I mean, I sounded like such a flake. Um, And I turned that opportunity down, which meant that I quit my job. Really, I quit my career as a journalist. And I've never been a journalist since since then. I've never written a single journalistic article Mm -hmm. since. Um, But but I had to do that. So that was like, that's one where I would say it wasn't a me escaping some house of cards that I had built out of fantasy and impulse. And then I had to get myself out of it. That was, I very steadily and soberly built myself a really wonderful career and then decided to leave it. Um, Oh, right yeah. before I got the job of my dreams. <laughs> and I sort of had the job of my dreams and then I got offered the even dreamier job of my dreams. But imagine if I had it, there'd be no I know. Love. I, mean, no I know. I know. How Crazy. did you do that? I mean, I, <laughs> I want to know because I think these are the hardest. I think that when your life is burning down around you and everything and nothing is working, there is a certain mm-hmm. kind of that's obviously difficult in a very in a clear way like I need to get the fuck out of here and so quitting is what I have to do but when you are quitting when you are walking away from something that makes no logical sense to anybody else around you and including you you know when you think about it from a quote-unquote logical perspective of everything we've been taught and you've wanted since you were a kid and you know all of that what is it can you like can you even, can you tease that out at all? Like, what is that in you that helps you make that decision? I think. And has it always been there? I think that that the only way I can answer that is that I have to bring spirit in and say that I had been given instructions of what to do next. And, Mm. And I think probably everybody at some point in their life has that experience where, um, I was given instructions. Um, This was, I was notified. I was given notice. I was given notice. (laughs) Um, Served. I was served notice that this was the thing that had to be done. And I recognize that feeling when it comes because it's a physical feeling that, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about how for the, for about four years, 
um, I kept asking in my journal, I, I, you know, speak to my higher power who I call God. And, you know, I kept asking, do you have something for me to write? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I'm ready. I'm available. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to write another (laughs) big, juicy, epic novel. I don't have an idea. Do you have an idea for me? Do you have something? And for four years, um, the answer came when we've got something for you to write, you'll be notified. (laughs) And when you say that, how are you, how do you channel that? It's just a, like, how do you, I know how I get messages like that, but how do you, what does that look like for you? Is it a booming voice in your head? Does it come out of your pen? It's so like, I mean, you know, I think I chased it for years wanting to have these like really heightened rock star spiritual experiences. (laughs) It's really just a conversation like we're having right now. Um, And it's no more. And it's just the, what feels like the logical thing that it's a conversation with what feels right. Yeah. And the answer just, the answer is there. Like, and I, and I do it on the page. I write the question and then I, and then the answer is written through my hand, which sounds exotic, but it doesn't require like any chanting or, or Mm -hmm. facing East or lighting of incense. That's how I do it too. And that, and sometimes the answer is like, duh, idiot. Like it doesn't come in a language from on high, you know, for me anyway. Oftentimes, I mean, God's, God calls me my beloved, my child, my precious and dummy. Dummy is like Mm. a really common thing that God calls me like. God basically sometimes is like a doy. <laughs> yeah, like uh, <laughs> hey, hi, uh-huh. a doy. You know, so and and I think I've developed so much trust in that over the years that when that answer comes and says when we've got something for you to do, you'll be notified. I know that that is in yeah. fact the truth because I've been notified, and when I'm notified, I know that I've been notified, and I think I'm on record with the universe of when you notify this one, she's going to do it. You know, like, you know, I've built that reputation up on the other side where like, I believe they know that I will actually do it. Like, and that's what happened when I got this notification for this next novel. I was like, okay, I'm on, you know, I'm on it. That's I've been waiting and here I am and I'm ready. So, so that's the only way I can explain it. It was a knowing it wasn't, it didn't feel exciting. I mean, I was excited, but I, it felt like it was just accurate. It felt accurate and it was a knowing. And that's something that I have to be you know, going back to Holly, the way that you and I have operated sometimes with great impulse, there's, there's a, a neurologic, there's like a, how can I explain this? There's like a neurobiological difference between the feeling that I feel when I'm leaping into something by impulse where I am manic and I am hyped up and I, my energy is, is flying and I feel high. Like if I feel high doing something, it's probably not the right thing for me to be doing. Um, So any relationship that I've ever gone into that made me high, like you, I'm going to come down from that very hard when that, when that, when that, when that last relationship, I got this tattoo. So I understand that a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) What does the tattoo say? (laughs) It's just her sign and my sign. Um, but oh, yeah, I, I'm all I'm all covered with tattoos from people who I was impulsive about. <laughs> Roll me together forever. They're like scars. They're like scars from like motorcycle like daredevils. You know, it's like yeah, you can ride all over my. Body. I wouldn't. Re- I don't regret it. I I don't regret it. But I think the thing is, when you say that, like I I'm extremely it, anyway, disliked. <laughs> I just think it's love scar. Um, I. I when, yeah, I when think, I'm high, it's sorry. I'll just finish the sentence. But when yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. when I'm high now, I know that's a warning. Yeah. Um, that I'm about to do something reckless and I'm going to do it because I'm, because I can't handle some emotion that I'm feeling. I'm bored. I'm scared. I'm depressed. 
you know, so I'm going to do a reckless thing. Eat, pray, love. That wasn't that. It was, it was a calm series of instructions that I received that this is what you are now going to do. And it felt just as natural as the conversation that we're having right now. So anyway, that, that, that completes the the, the thought. <laughs> Go ahead. No, all I was going to say is I think that I feel exactly the same. Like I'm extremely decisive and I know like I've been in, I'm in upstate New York and it's been hard and I have a lot of escape routes, but I've stayed here because it's just like, I'm supposed to be here right now. And I have, I have moved quickly before. Right. And I have moved when it was a running away and an escape, and I have moved when it was just the right thing to do when it absolutely made no sense. And I I understand what you're saying exactly, which is the difference between, you know, leaping out of fear or running out of fear and also doing something that absolutely makes no sense and might sound really crazy, but you absolutely know in your bones that it is the thing that you're supposed to do, even though you just, you you know nothing more than what it feels like in your bones. So I, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And I, I think, think the more do. we can stay out of our compulsions and addictions and obsessions, the deeper that trust builds with the knowing. Because mm-hmm. well, all it's of just the, like those listening. things interrupt it. They interrupt, like my addictions all interrupt the, the steady stream of information that I'm being given if I'm present. You've been listening to Quitted, a podcast about quitting, hosted by Holly Whitaker and Emily McDowell. Our music and sound engineering is by Michael Blumenfeld, and our producer is Kathleen Kizich. Quitted is made possible by us and by our listeners. To support the show, join our patron community at patreon.com forward slash quitted. Quitted.